This is On Boys Parenting Podcast. We are your co-host, Jennifer L.W. Fink, mom of four boys. And I'm Janet Allison, teacher of many more. Thanks for joining us as we share real talk about parenting, teaching, and reaching tomorrow's men. Are all 14-year-old boys assholes? Ooh. A friend asked me that question a few years ago. We were at a conference together in Chicago. We'd been friends for a number of years. She knows I write about parenting. She knows I have boys. And as we were walking to dinner, she kind of lagged behind and she like whispered it to me. Are all 14-year-old boys assholes? Because, surprise, surprise, her son was 14 at the time. And we talked. I reassured her. I listened to her concerns. I reassured her. And when I got home... I wrote what ended up being one of my all-time most popular blog posts called The Truth About Parenting Teen Boys. And it turns out that lots of parents of teens have that same exact question or a variety of. There are a lot of parents of teens that are desperate for information, help, and support. Today, we have with us Sue Borison and Steph Silverman, co-founders of Your Teen Media, and co-host of the podcast, Your Teen with Sue and Steph. Both have parented and are parenting teen boys, and they regularly hear from concerned parents of tweens and teens. Welcome, ladies. Hi. Hi. Tell us a little bit about what led you to come together and start Your Teen. I believe when you started Your Teen, your boys were tweens and teens. Yeah, so um, we've been doing this for 12 years, and prior to that, I had always told my husband that I wish there was a magazine for parents of teenagers, and I really missed that that engagement that I had when my kids were little with uh, Parents Magazine came once a month, and I really, really took parenting tips from there, and it was just the right amount of information because you're super busy. And you yeah. could grab like a paragraph that would change your life. And so I, I just didn't understand why it didn't continue. And my husband would say to me, well, why don't you do it? To which I would laugh hysterically and say, that's absurd. Um, and then one day, uh, as my kids were getting older, I just really had this need to do something else. Uh, number one, for me, I needed mm-hmm. to find something to, to do. And number two, to get out of their way. Because I was uh-huh. really available. <laughs> ah. Uh, and so I, so I started thinking about like, could I, could I do this? I have no background in it. I went to law school. I know nothing about media and would other people be interested? Did other people feel the way I felt? Um, and one of the things that I found really quickly was that we were all really lonely at this stage of parenting because nobody was writing about it or talking about it 12 years ago. And you could get professional books. I remember we had a book like that was 500 pages about teens and alcohol or something. And it's like really never will have time to read that book. But I would like that magazine. And I would like to read an article that makes me feel less lonely about what I'm confronting in my house. I just kept talking to people about it. I remember the first time, uh, and you you probably feel this way also, can remember an experience when you articulate what you're about to do out loud to somebody else, you know you're going to do it. (laughs) It's it's an awful feeling. Like I said it to my cousin. I was visiting my cousin Mm -hmm. in California and I said, I'm going to do a magazine for parents of teenagers. And then I was like, wait, we stuffed those words back in. (laughs) Who said Um, that? Yeah. 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 And so then like we really started just gathering women around a table, all sharing ideas and 
and laughing and breaking down barriers about perfection and changing our own parenting. So not only has it been a journey of joy for us to build something together, but also like for me, it changed my parenting completely. Stephanie, when did you come into the project? So I came in, so Sue and I met through a leadership course we were doing together and we hit it off immediately as friends. And at some point, I think you guys must have already been meeting Sue. I'm trying to remember now, or maybe I just started. And I said, oh, you know, I, I'm actually an ex-banker. And I, at the time, was home with the kids. My kids were young. They were 11, 8, and 6, maybe. So I didn't even have teens. I had a tween, I guess you could say, my oldest son. And I'm like, oh, but I love to write. I'm, you know, like in a, maybe a closeted journalist that end, ended up majoring in finance because that was more what was expected of me. So I started going to the meetings and then Sue and I just, I don't know, we just really um, saw eye to eye and, you know, we're not, some people accuse us of being the same person. Some people don't, um, but we are, <laughs> um, we do share values. We're both very driven and um, just really well suited as business partners. It's probably the best, the best part about the whole thing. Sue, you mentioned that getting involved in this and starting your teen ultimately changed your parenting. How? Oh, I mean, you'd need 10 hours of me for me to articulate (laughs) all the ways that changed my parenting. But the biggest one, the single biggest one is letting go of perfection, of the sense that there was a right way to do this. And that I, because I like doing well in school, I was going to figure out the way to do this really, really well. So all outcomes could be controlled. And of course, you hit a certain point where you learn that anyway but it's usually after you're done raising your kids and you're watching other people raise their their kids. But I had the real good fortune to have experts around and other parents around where you could really struggle with the things that weren't working the way we thought they would. And then say, you know what, I'm, I'm doing the best I can. My kid is doing the best they can. And it, it changed the dynamic with my kids. I mean, there's, there's so many glorious things about getting away from the Facebook picture and really living in the world that you live in. You know, embedded in that question, are all 14-year-old boys assholes, is really the feeling, and I know she was feeling it, and I know I'd felt it, like, because if it's just my 14-year-old who's an asshole, I have done something horribly wrong, and this kid is going to grow up to be a terrible person. He'll be disrespectful to women and other men, and oh my God, everything is terrible. I think as women, we really are so skilled at future pacing. We see that, you know, 14-year-old who won't talk to us and think that he's going to be a 29-year-old man and still not talking to us. And so that's that place, Susan, where you talked about, we need to be together. We can't do this in isolation. We need to know those moms and dads who are a little bit ahead of us. And we can see, oh, that 18-year-old is really different than that 14-year-old. And maybe I'm not totally messing up my kids. And to your point also of the loneliness that happens in middle school and high school because typically in elementary school, there's the parent nights and the back to school this and that. And there's a lot of things happening in the parent body as well. And then as you move into middle school and high school, those times lessen 
we are busier as parents. Maybe we've gone back to work and there's less time to stand out in the parking lot and chat with the other moms because guess what? You're not in the parking lot anymore mm-hmm. because your child's getting themselves to school. So well, I just want to, I just want to go back to something you said and not misrepresent myself. So I never got great at not catastrophizing their, fe- their futures. <laughs> so I just want to put that out there. I got really good at, at recognizing that today didn't have to be perfect, but it didn't mean I, I didn't lose sleep at night thinking, oh my God, is this who they're going to be? Yeah. I love that honesty because so often we don't talk about that with each other and we kind of think we're the only ones. No, there's a lot of us who are thinking the worst possible things about our children who we love so very much. Yeah. And I think we're all awake at 3 a.m. doing that, right? Nope. Not at 3. Nope. nope. Okay. <laughs> when are you doing it? Because Stephanie and I are doing it at 3. <laughs> oh, I'm much more... That's ridiculous. That's not one of my times. My times are 2.30, 4.20, and 5.40. How many times do I have to tell you? You said 4.20. Uh oh. The the teens think that's funny, you guys. 420 yeah. is code for pot, marijuana. Yeah, that is okay. wasn't even trying to be funny. Maybe. This is what happens. I am currently living with teen boys so often that's the humor level for me here. Moving along. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Stephanie, when you were, you know, you're raising your kids, your boys start hitting the tween years. What frustrated you the most? What's what's you know caused you to pull out your hair and go, I do not understand what's going on here? Our oldest was such an ass at 14. I wish my husband was on this right now because we and he's our first one, you know, so they're kind of that test case. And he and my husband just they would go at it. And we still tell this funny story. You know, they're so, they're almost like a puppy, right? Like they're growing, but they're jerky and they're kind of idiots and they're mature one minute and not mature the next minute. And we always go back to the story. We were in Florida. Kids were like 14, 12, and nine. My order is boy, boy, girl. And we were in the pool visiting my parents and he was just being an ass, just a total ass. And my father, he something at my daughter and my husband's like, get out of the pool. And they're going at it and he's not listening. And my father thinking he'll save his grandson says, Zach, just listen to your father. Get out of the pool, go back to the apartment. And Zach gets this look on his face and he goes, my dad, he is such a, and you think he's going to say asshole, right? He goes, dad is, he's such a baby. <laughs> and we thought it was so funny on so many levels because it really captured that age where like he he didn't even know what he was saying anyway. Like to this day, the kid is 22 years old, and we always use that like we'll look at each other and we're like, such a baby. But I remember just being so frustrated with him. And like he was like, he couldn't get out of his own way. Like yes. and, and that's what you know, I remember watching my dad trying to, you know, get in there. So I would say like that comes to mind. Um, and then our second son was so different, you know, also, but at different ages and different, you know, like, but I, I think that, you know, that where like you're watching them, you're saying, is it so hard? And it, you know what? It really is hard it for is. them. Okay. So how about you when your boys hit the tween stage? What did you suddenly discover that you were not prepared for? I don't have such a gender distinction in my house. Like I, for, I have three girls and two boys. The biggest distinction gender-wise is that the boys, when they needed to individuate, were jerks to my husband, and the Mm. girls were jerks to me. 
So in a very, very stereotypical way, um, I got to smirk. (laughs) My (laughs) oldest is a girl. And I think my husband thought he was a little better at parenting at that age. And then the next one's a boy. And and he would, you know, kind of have this little attitude with my husband. And I would be like, not so good now, honey. (laughs) Um, So there was a little glee in there, mean glee, but a little glee. But they, they all at 14 were so inconsistent in their behavior. So the unpredictability for me, like I'm really, really good. If I know you've had a hard day and I have to be the the stable one and you're going to come in and you're going to need me to be perfect, I can be pretty good at those moments. But when you defy the, 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 the routine or the expectations and I think we're going to have joy and you're going to come in and be a jerk, I'm not good at that. So 14 Mm -hmm. is kind of the height of all that where depending on the last thing that happened to them as they left school is what I'm going to encounter. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I had two high expectations occasionally and that didn't play out well. Um, so, <laughs> so one of the things that I would do differently, I would, we just interviewed Bob Ferris. I don't know if you know him, but he's a sociologist from University of Texas. He does amazing work and he happens to be Anna Ferris's brother. And he, does a, he did a few shows with um, Anderson Cooper 360 about bullying and about... Uh, just like this, he studies the social web of kids in high school. It's really, really fascinating. But what you see at the end of it is how the social jungle of middle school and high school, it's unbearable. I mean, it is entirely like the biggest thing that in his research is that there's very little reciprocity. So you ask who your best friend is, and then they ask that person, they say someone else. And so that, think of what that means in your day. Like yeah. that you're never, you're never really getting the love you anticipated getting. And so at the end of talking to him, I thought if I could do it over, I would just show more love and kindness when they sh- came home from school. Because they have had a day of a jungle. And every day it's different for them. And so they walk in the house and what do I do? How was your day? Who'd you sit with for lunch? What did you eat for lunch? Where did, how was your test? And, and I just want like every minute accounted for so that I can know how my child is doing and they want silence. Mm-hmm. So I might've gotten a little better with my fifth, but I'm pretty sure he wouldn't agree. I am laughing with utter recognition on that one. Right. I think that I have learned a lot between number one and number four, but I'm not so sure number four would give me high marks, especially because he's 13 right now. So <laughs> one of the beautiful things about you know us doing this podcast, us having our, our sites, you guys doing your teen is you connect with other parents and you start realizing, you know, some commonalities between your experiences and you hear what other families are experiencing. What kinds of concerns and frustrations do you hear from parents of tween and teen boys? And how has that changed over the years you've been doing your teen? I think the biggest change right now is the Me Too movement and the accessibility of porn. So I think, you know, vaping and other things that are terrifying us right now are are very across the board. Um, But the Me Too movement has left boys feeling like they don't know what to do and what to be. Um, So we've done a really, really good job and an appropriate job of saying what you can't do, but we haven't yet replaced it with what can you do. So I think there's an elevated anxiety about being in a relationship at this moment. 
And even getting into that relationship is probably scarier than being in the relationship. How about you, Steph? What would you say you've seen? My head went in another direction. I was thinking more just gaming and video. And, Mm. you know, again, like I'm so glad I raised my boys before Fortnite (laughs) became the topic. You know, I feel like that that would have been um, hard to navigate Um, and just putting those limits and, and, Yeah. I mean, it's amazing what a few years, what that difference can look like. My top to bottom is five years, five Mm -hmm. years and a couple months. And the landscape is so different. And it, it, I feel like an old lady saying that it's, Mm -hmm. it just seems so crazy that the phone and social media could change what that looks like to a parent in such a short time. It's insane. In the 12 years soon, I've been doing this I have felt that the that we would start to see a pendulum starting to swing back the other way. I felt like we were going so far in one direction. And I, I'm sad to say I don't feel that way. Say more about that pendulum swing stuff. I guess I feel like, you know, there is so so much worry. Um, and this this taps into what Sue said about just being gentler and kinder to them. They're growing up in a different world. Someone asked us, Sue and I were on a panel about a year and a half ago. And the question was, what surprised you um, in the time that you've been running your teens? Something you didn't expect. And I remember one of the things when I entered the picture and, you know, Sue had had this great idea. One of the things that was said as I came to the table was we want to present this information in a non-judgmental zone in a, you know, that parents can feel comfortable and safe and we don't want to be preachy was the word we used all the time. And so we thought, so that's going back to 2008. We thought that parents already felt isolated and they felt like they were the only ones. And then to think that, you know, 12 years later, I never would have anticipated that the world of social media would create an even more isolating time for parents because we, we have a joke in our family when we'll get back from a family vacation and I would scroll through Facebook and I would say to my husband, I'm like, oh my God, everyone's family's got along so much better than ours. Oh, you know, I just think that that aspect and that perfectionism and how the world looks. And, you know, I've had friends who have called me hysterical because something's going on, you know, with one of their kids and they are hysterical about something And I'm known for saying to them, listen, you know, like, I know how hard that is. And, you know, I know you're so sad and you're angry, um, but you're not special. (laughs) You're not special. You're a lot of things, but you're not special. Um, But the world does not, that is not what the world looks like. That's not what is out there. So you really do feel like you're special and not special in a good way. Jennifer, I can give you some other things that we hear from parents, but you know all of them because you write most of our articles about boys. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. But I'll tell you that there's a few that I think are, they're the obvious ones, like boys are not doing as well in school and higher diagnoses of ADHD. There's those really big ones and obvious ones that people are confronting, but I think there's some other ones that also have to do with a change in culture. So we want to raise more sensitive boys, and yet we know that they can't go to school and cry. I like cute clothes. I like having stylish outfits, and I hate shopping. Armoire makes getting dressed easier. Armoire is a clothing rental membership option. And Janet and I recently have both tried it out, and you guys, it is so much fun. You go to their website, you get to take a little quick style quiz, takes five minutes, and then you get presented 
a list of beautiful clothing, pictures, wonderful clothes that you can pick out and get delivered to your house for you to try and wear in the comfort of your own home without going out and determine what looks cute, put together outfits without investing a ton of money. Right now, our listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off your first month. That is up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash envoys. That's armoire.style, A-R-M-O-I-R-E, dot style slash envoys to get 50% off your first month and never have to worry about what to wear again. Try armoire today. One of the most challenging things about being a woman at midlife is realizing how little people understand about perimenopause and menopause, Janet. I just had a conversation with my sister about that this weekend. She is 10 years younger than me, so I'm 51, she's 41, and she went to ask her healthcare provider, hey, can you provide me some information? And she got information, but she was frustrated by how incomplete it seems, how little we know, and how for way too many people, the answer seems to be, yep, that's the way it is. Deal with it. Mm-hmm. Deal with it. And not only are our mamas out there having to deal with perimenopause, likely at this age, but many of our moms are dealing with their sons entering or in puberty, which is kind of nature's irony, which is, oof. Cruel joke, Janet. Cruel joke. Cruel joke. Thankfully, thankfully, increasingly, there are those who are recognizing that women need and deserve competent care and treatment for perimenopause and menopausal symptoms. And we know that can still be harder to access than it should be, which is why we have partnered with Winona. Winona helps women who are dealing with menopause or perimenopause. Winona is a collection of OBGYN health professionals who believe that your symptoms are important, real, and deserve to be taken seriously. Telehealth, you can access care from your home when it is convenient for you. Visit buywinona.com today to start your free visit with free U.S. shipping and the ability to pause or cancel at any time, your path to wellness has zero obligations. Use the code ONBOYS at buywinona.com for 25% off your first order. That's B-Y-W-I-N-O-N-A.com slash ONBOYS. Winona, menopause care made easy. So there is a very funny mixed message going on here. Like we, we really love the idea of you being touched by something and hurt by something and joyful about something. But if something moves you to tears from pain or joy, maybe, maybe don't do it at school. I know I struggle with that as a parent of boys and I'm sure other parents do too, right? Like you said, we want to raise more sensitive in touch with their emotions, boys And yet, the culture is still changing. It has not 
changed, especially in middle school and high school. It has not changed to the point where a boy who cries because he does poorly on a test is going to be surrounded by his peers supporting him. That's not how it works. <laughs> I have a question for you because this comes up a lot from our parents. Do you get asked, are you, well, maybe not now, but earlier, did you get asked, are you going to try for a girl? Oh my God, all the time. All the time, not now anymore, but I was even asked that once um, when I, it was like my first outing with my number four was a newborn and the oldest one was, I don't remember how old. And it's like, are you kidding me? Like I barely pushed this one out and you're asking me if I'm going to try again. I think Uh, you must've written a blog post about that, Jen. uh, Yes. Yes, I did. And we Uh. will include the link in our show notes. Thank you very much for that, Janet. Yeah. The worst was the random stranger in the produce aisle at the grocery store who asked in front of my children, what was wrong with my husband's sperm? How do you not know that that is not an appropriate question to ask? I don't know. the same person who touches your stomach when you're pregnant. Yeah, right. (laughs) No boundaries. Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious about, I mean, we touched on Me Too, we touched on porn. I'm curious about where where do tweens and teens stand in their dating relationships? What is dating? How has that changed over these 12 years? Do kids actually really date anymore or do they just hang out? They talk. <laughs> they and talk. then we're supposed to, and we're supposed to know what talking means and when it turns into a relationship, which for one of my kids, my youngest, he'd be talking and talking. And then I'd find out nine months ago they started exclusively <laughs> going out. <laughs> okay, so talking yeah. is code word for maybe I don't want my mother to know. I don't know. <laughs> I think it's code for we're getting to know each other mainly via text mm-hmm. and trying to see if there's anything worth pursuing. I think that's what it means. Is a pretty mature approach if you think about it. Ish. Ish. <laughs> via text. <laughs> yeah. Janet, that's how the adults even start dating these days. Get with it, girl. Oh, yeah. Well, that's a whole nother podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what else have you seen in that realm? You know, what, it, what do you guys see is normal, uh, typical for, you know, boys and girls uh, dating in those tween and teen years? It's all in groups. <laughs> it's, it's all really weird. Not weird. It's different. It's so different. It's so different. Social media and texting, has that changed all of it? I feel like there's no, there's no room for just kind of testing things out or going somewhere, you know, but, you know, when we were kids, we would go, okay, we're going to meet a group of friends here, or, you know, we're going to go there. So you go there, you stay, someone's dropped you off or you rode your bike or whatever the case may be. And you have to see how the evening evolves. My husband (laughs) tells such a funny story. I think Zach and his friends were 13, 14. They were probably around your son's age, Jen. And Todd had a group of boys in the car. They all get dropped off for whatever. They are literally maybe two minutes from our house. They're going to the other side of our town, which is maybe 10 minutes. And one of the kids is like, oh, you know what? Let's just go back to your house because that, no, that, that plan doesn't work anymore. Because somebody had texted and said like, no, no one's there or no one, or that's not happening. Yeah. Now. Like, so there's, it's crazy. It's like, I barely left the driveway and the plan <laughs> is changed. I noticed um, with my guys, again, I have all boys. 
Uh, so I only know raising boys, but for my guys, it seemed like once one of them would get around seventh grade, randomly girls would start like kind of circling the house. And I don't mean this in a stalking way or anything like that. I mean that all of a sudden, you know, like it would be normal to see my kids out in the driveway doing whatever, maybe, you know, playing basketball or talking to a friend. But around seventh grade was when occasionally there would be what seemed to be groups of girls that were just happening to be walking by and just happened to hang out. And the funniest part for me was that having been a seventh grade girl, I know those seventh grade girls are there because they're interested in the boys. And it's so uh, kind of sad to see how the seventh grade boys, they don't have a clue yet. So we just got reamed for an article that is, it's an excellent article, but it's about a ninth grade girl who's going to go to homecoming with a boy. And I mean, it's an interesting story from many perspectives. Uh, The mothers are actually talking to each other and that's a, a little odd, but... But the real story is that the the mother of the boy says, I don't want you to expect a lot from my son. (laughs) He's not going at this the same way you are. And our readers, I mean, you know, there's always like, there's always a group of people that don't like something. There were enough, there were enough people following on this, this little thought on Facebook of, um, what are you saying about my daughter? (laughs) And it was like, really? Nothing, nothing. Just that ninth grade girls are different than ninth grade boys in the same way seventh grade girls are different than seventh grade boys. So exactly. like, don't expect the romance that you see coming. Like it's, it's my, my boy is clueless. He's just clueless. Oh, I and that speaking- article, I liked that article. I thought it was really, you know, it, and it is this, we have overblown the expectations around homecoming, around prom. Are you kidding me? A limousine? Are you kidding me? A restaurant? You know, a really cute sign and a whole big to do to invite you to go. I mean, promposal. I wish we could get rid of it. The promposal was more than my son's proposal to his boyfriend. Like way better than my son's proposal. (laughs) My son's proposal was like so appropriate for a, a wedding proposal and the promposal, like going to a beach and writing out in sand and having right. a plane fly over and like, oh my God. Here's the thing is where I can relate to that article, which we will, of course, include the links to like most, I can't say all, but most 14 year old boys aren't that into arts and crafts and creative <laughs> proposals. Anyway, it's the parents of the boys that are helping yeah. them or like telling them to make these things. I've seen some of them come out of my house from the boys coming over here and doing it together. No parents help these boys. So we're back to lower your expectations, which if you think about it is just great all around parenting advice, especially as you are getting through these teen and tween years. Lower your expectations of yourself and definitely lower your expectations of your kids. This does not mean that you let them behave like assholes all the time. It does not mean you don't have limits. But you have to recognize that they are such works in progress. Stephanie, now that you are an experienced parent, an experienced part of your teen media, you've been doing this for 12 years, what advice would you go back and tell Stephanie You know, what do you know now that you would like to tell yourself when you were beginning this journey through the teenage years with your kids? One day does not make a life. 
So what happens in a day is not the story. Don't write the story. So easy to freak out. That would be another way to say it. Don't freak out. That would be a great way to say it as well. How about you, Sue? I would, I would tell myself, let them wear shorts in winter. Let Did them take that? risks. The founder of Your Teen Media just said, and I quote, let <laughs> them wear shorts in winter. Yeah, it's a stupid teen boy thing. We don't really know why they do it. It doesn't matter. Let them take risks. Stop asking so many questions. Give them time after school. Give them space. And most importantly, treasure them and enjoy them. And can I add to that, hug them? Ah, we have a great article about hugging. I think about that all the time. I love that article. And, And our person, Mindy, shout out to Mindy. She hated the article. She hated the article. It is our best performing article ever. Oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah. It's all about making sure, even when your kids don't want hugs anymore, that you still find a way to physically connect with them. So Steph has a great story. One of my boys loves to be touched, hugged, et cetera. One does not. And so I always have to think about how I can have that touch in a way that he doesn't freak out and mm-hmm. even realizes it's a touch. I will literally move around him in the kitchen. He's in college now, but I will move around. He'll be standing at the sink. I'll move around him. I'll just put a hand on him and I'll be like, oh, oh, pardon me, bud. You know what I mean? Like moving around, but making sure that there is a point of contact, you know? It, I mean, it's really a funny thing, but I'm very deliberate about it because I know I know the importance. I, I Sue, a friend of mine just referenced that article the other day because she has a son similar similar to this particular one. My default would have been, okay, he wants his space. He doesn't want to be touched, so don't do it. Respect it. But that article made me change how I thought about it, and but with intention. Mm-hmm. Some will uh, resist and yet not resist. They're, they might be leaning in. And you bit. learn there are other ways besides yeah, hugging, like... <laughs> A high five counts, Uh, a playful tap on the arm, fist bump, uh, sitting next to him on the couch. You know, those things all count. And the thing is, Steph, and not to take it personally, because I Mm -hmm. think that we do that a lot as moms, as women, we take these things personally and it's so not intended to be that way at all. It's just who they are and when we can tap into that and adjust and make those little dance around the kitchen sink, then uh, we can still keep that physical touch connection. I am really going to encourage our listeners to check out the show notes for this episode because your teen magazine is phenomenal. And okay, yes, I write for it now, but it was phenomenal (laughs) even before I came along. There are so many articles and you guys have mentioned, you know, the homecoming one, the hugging one, and we're going to include all of those links. We cannot tell you everything that you need to know about parenting tween and teen boys. I mean, look at all the years of experience we have, and we know that there's still things we haven't figured out. We've learned some things, we've passed on a little wisdom, but every family is different, every situation is different. And I have found, and I, I think you will all agree, that there's so much power when we connect with other people, can learn from them, learn we're not alone, and then take what works for us and try it in our families. 
And I want to add one thing to something you said, Jennifer, about every situation and every family, every kid within the family is different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And when we're together, we can laugh along the way because that's really important too. So where will our listeners find you besides all the great links in the show notes? How can they connect with you? So we've got a podcast, Your Team with Sue and Steph. You can find that everywhere podcasts are found. Um, it's relatively new. I think we've, we're, next week will be our 10th episode that comes out. Um, and, and our mothers think they're fantastic. <laughs> I don't um, think my mom's ever listened to this, Janet. <laughs> Oh, Jen, we're, yeah. miss, we're missing our biggest fan. <laughs> I don't think so. You can find us at yourteenmag.com. That's our website. Uh, we are on all the social media sites and we've got a host of other things coming up, really exciting stuff about to come up. So get on our newsletter list if you want to hear what's going on at your team. This is a conversation that could go on for hours and hours. There is so much to talk about with our tweens and teens and to laugh about, yes, but also to get really serious about. Because as you said in the beginning, we've got issues. We've got the Me Too movement. We've got the prevalence of pornography, the gaming, all of these things. And the only way that we are going to be able to support our kids and help them grow into this and through this is by being together. And you two have created such a vehicle for having the hard discussions. And sure, not everyone's going to like every article, but I know that even in the not liking, we are all learning from each other. And in that is is the power that we can have as adults bringing up our amazing tweens and teens. Thank you so much for all of the work that you do for the care and tending of our teens and tweens and all of the teachers and parents and coaches that are connecting with them and raising them. Thank you so much for being here. It's impossible to raise boys alone. Join one or both of our Facebook groups. Jen is at Building Boys and Janet has Boys Alive. Ask questions, share your wins, get support when you need it. We'd love to have you join us. We are Jennifer L.W. Fink and Janet Allison, and we are here to support you in parenting and teaching tomorrow's men. Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable, with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah Soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com.